an A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy and Martin. Hello and welcome back to an A to Z of UK TV drama with me, Andy. And me, Martin. Hello. How are you doing? Very good. Ah, this is your favourite, isn't it? We're doing your favourite today. <laughs> yes, I think. I, I, I'm great. I, it means I don't have to say a word for the next two hours. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> like I can never shut you up. <laughs> Yeah, this is um, this is going to be an interesting one because I've been reflecting on this over this last week when I've been preparing and mm-hmm. thinking about how Secret Army, for that is the series we're doing for S, took up four years of my life back in the day. I um, I spent you know a good eighteen months producing the DVD releases, and mm-hmm. then I spent a good two years, possibly more, writing what I wanted to be the most comprehensive book in the world on Secret Army. And oh, I think I've got that. Uh, <laughs> it seems to be next to me. I may be quoting from it, which makes it even more superfluous than me. <laughs> and then, I, of course, I did um, theatre evenings with Angela um, mm-hmm. in 2006. So from 2003, 4, 5, 6, and then the, the book was out in 8. Yeah, I think I probably kind of like this series, you know. It's kind of important to me. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we're also, that means we're, for once, we're actually doing the inside track of what we're, we might actually know what we're talking about. Yeah, I think probably on this one, yeah, we're, we're on safer ground. Fabulous. So, well, like I say, so this is it now. You're just going to pick out all my, my wrong facts. <laughs> wrong facts. Next chunk of time. Well, I'll just say something. You say, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I hope not. Because that would make. No, it wasn't that at all. That would make me an insufferable bore. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Um, You've been reading our reviews again. Yeah. (laughs) No one said that. Don't say things like that. Oh, yes. We had Toby Haydock saying that we were engaging and interesting, poor man. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, people are struggling for entertainment these days. Yes. But it is rather wonderful to actually have somebody who actually, you know, would say such a thing. Yes. Thank you, Toby. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, So, Secret Army. Would you like to do a synopsis? Yes. 42 episodes okay. from 1977 to 1979, created by Jerry Glaister. Um, a lot of it written by John Brayson, who was also the script editor. And between them, they they put the series together. And um, amazing cast. Principals being Bernard Hepton, Angela Richards, Clifford Rose, Juliet Hammond-Hill, um, Michael Culver. The list goes on. Now, I do happen to know that you have been talking to some of these people of late. Yes, we should probably and, mention that. And, and we can probably point 
the listener, <laughs> the listener <laughs> in the direction <laughs> that we will actually have uh, a special feature. <laughs> yes. So after you've listened to this podcast, you will have the opportunity to listen to um, the cast, me talking to the cast. Um, some of the principals I've interviewed: Angela, Juliet, and Clifford. And what we're going to do is we're going to put those out as separate extra episodes today so you get mm. to listen to them later today i'm releasing them at intervals every two hours after this one goes out so that now these are recent interviews they're not ones you did for the dvd these no, are brand new brand new so this mm. is um kind of yeah, very retrospective and um, for us this is big this is a big development for the old yeah uh, i guess it is <laughs> yeah and they really were very generous with their time and talked very openly about their memories and yeah so I, I recommend that you listen to them as well yeah Andy over at uh, Round the Archive would say this is this is A to Z victorious <laughs> that's funny <laughs> still it seems to be the season for it so, yeah. so why not now the other thing I was going to say because because you you spoke to uh, three of the actors uh, have, did you sp how many of the other actors did you actually speak to at the time back in the day um did you speak to the hepton i did speak to bernard um only um, by letter we had lots of lovely written right. correspondence but um i think i correctly guessed and in my first letter i said i don't think you're going to be a one to, who wants to go back and revisit things in a, in a deep mm. way and he because i think i said that he was like I'm really glad that you worked out that I didn't want to go back to this, Andy. <laughs> but then did share a lot of nice things and a lot of interesting yes. information and how much he enjoyed the series. But he didn't want to go into it forensically. And that's fine. He's just the sort of actor who didn't want to do that. Uh, Brandt used to come here quite a lot. Do you think he was suspicious? No. I don't think so. Ah, but suppose he was. Now, just suppose. If he is Brandt's successor... The first thing he'd do was to look through Brandt's files, read all his reports. This visit could be pure chance. It could be something else. I should probably give a synopsis of the series in full, and then yes. we can talk about what we're going to talk about today, which is Indeed. series Indeed. three. So, Secret Army is the story of the Brussels-based resistance organisation Lifeline, which was engaged in the hazardous activity of helping downed Allied airmen to return home. And initially, Series 1, it's um, about the early days of the line, and the Lifeline runs out of a very small cafe in sort mm. of downtown Brussels. And yes. there's very little interaction with the German regulars, Kessler and Brandt, played by Clifford Rose and, and Michael It's a bit Goldberg. sort of, uh, you get the impression in, in the first series, it's all a bit ad hoc, isn't it? It's kind of like, this is just an idea they've had. Hmm. And it's run by Lisa Colbert, isn't it? Yes. Who's played in the first series by... Jan Francis. Well, in every Jan series. Jan Francis. <laughs> you make it sound like she was replaced in Tuesday. <laughs> no, no. She's played in the first series by Jan Francis, who, who doesn't make it much beyond the first series. No, she doesn't. But we can't go into all the detail of characters and everything no. up to this point. But, um, no. Um, and then, uh, then over the course of the second series, Albert takes over. Yeah. And and the they're constantly well. They, I mean, I don't get I don't get me wrong. I, I I always think with the first series is they have more failures than successes. Yeah, really. They they genuinely don't seem to get anybody home. But by the end of the series, they've got eight hundred home. So hooray! <laughs> uh, uh, the second series takes you to is it D Day? It does. 
Yeah. And then the third series, <laughs> for you, listener, <laughs> the war is not quite over. No. Um, the uh, the third series takes us from D-Day until Liberation and slightly beyond. Yeah. So pretty much. Yeah, I think... And they, it, it, all the time they are... They are getting airmen home and there are various conspiracies going on the various uh, factions who are thinking about post-war belgium as much as anything yeah. uh, keep basically putting the spanner in the works and of course obviously they're trying to evade the mighty mr kessler <laughs> and and his entourage now, now you don't wanna, you don't want to upset clifford you don't want to call him mr kessler you have to call him standartenfuhrer ludwig kessler. Yes, as we <laughs> as we found out when i was doing the links for the interviews standartenfuhrer is not a word that comes easily to <laughs> Well, you need to practice. And it was, was, what, is that before or after his promotion, Sturmbahnführer? That's after. He's Sturmbahnführer. Ah, so Sturmbahnführer, yeah. you see. I did do German O-level. <laughs> so we should also mention um, pre-Series 3 that you have the new Condide in Series 2. And this is what is the genius of Secret Army, the fact that you then had the Germans rubbing shoulders with their the Belgian patriots and the lifeline operatives and therefore from from thence the drama came <laughs> because they are oblivious yeah they are oblivious and there's some gorgeous <laughs> there's some gorgeous scenes in the second series um where things are going on right under their noses and it's beautiful and it's full of tension and it's gripping and i love it yeah model citizen ah. and no longer a target for terrorists now they consider him one of themselves it will take a little time to see if your scheme has succeeded oh i've no doubt that it will and what is more he believes i still suspect him of black market activities a sound basis for a useful relationship hmm? well i'll be content if they leave the one good restaurant in brussels alone so over the course of the series, the role the role played by Angela Richards, Monique Duchamp, is uh, is very much expanded from where it is in the first series, and also starts to bring in certain aspects of her real world talent. So she starts it's like singing, doesn't she? There's the actual music, the musical interludes in the program, yeah, uh, I become more of a feature of it. It's fascinating when you when you think back to television in the sixties, where the, you, know, you know how many dramas seem to have a musical in, interlude right. in the sixties. It's it's actually very traditional. Okay. It's uh, if you think about early Avengers when they used to go off and Venus would do her bit in the nightclub, ah. and you kind of, and you kind of start to think in the because in the fifties it's like they would stop the drama for a bit of cabaret. Right. And and it's kind of that that aspect sort of still is there, and it kind of it kind of makes sense in this context. It does, yeah, and it, really it gives does. you a breather, and it also gives a chance for for people to be relaxed and to be talking, mm. having conversations while the music's going on. But it's also and the tension, yeah, too. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, it's the it's, I've talked about this in in other podcasts, but you know, what Hitchcock would call the dramatic W. You have to have the release so you can ramp it up again. Well, it's it's funny you mentioned um, Hitchcock because. 
Jerry Glaser was a massive Hitchcock fan. He, that was his main mm. influence. So that's why Secret Army is so intensely gripping because he wanted mm. to absolutely get that Hitchcockian flavor mm. into it. And he actually wrote that mm. into the original brief that they had to have that feel. Mm. Mm. Interesting. So what we decided to do in this edition, yeah. spoiler alert, yes. <clears throat> is we're actually going to look at the very end. I know we've looked at, in other series, we looked at the beginning. We thought we'd look at the very end of this series when all the um, jeopardy is really at its its highest, yeah. actually, strangely. Yeah. And, and there is a trilogy of episodes just before the end and then a final episode. So we're going to look at those four episodes today. So if you've not seen the series, yeah. go out, watch it now and come back. Yes. Okay, they're back in the room. That was quick. Well done. Oh, I know. It's astonishing, <laughs> isn't it? How time flies. Can I just give so it... I hope you're yeah. all suitably drained. <laughs> yeah, they will be. They'll be tears. I'm suitably impressed. Everything. Um, I just want to read something from my book, if I may. Seeing as it's my book, I feel I can quote it. The final series of a classic television drama is often greeted with a lukewarm reception as viewers and critics hark back to the glory days of a first series when the premise was still fresh and dynamic. However, Secret Army is a unique and obvious exception to this rule as it arguably leaves its finest acting, plotting and production to its last 13 episodes. I still agree with past me on this one. This is why we've, oh, cho- right. this is why we've chosen series three, isn't it? Because Past me. Yeah. Sorry, say again. Sorry, interrupt. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um... Yeah, I still agree with this. It's it's very, very rare that a series can continue to up the ante and improve as it goes on. But I really do believe mm. that Secret Army achieves that unlikely feat. I was watching uh, a, a programme at the weekend yeah, and it had a clip. It was, a, it was one of these Netflix documentaries you don't want to know. <laughs> but it had a clip from a, a war film about Korea. And what happens in it is that there's supposed to be a ceasefire. It's supposed to be the end of the Korean War. Okay. And somebody gets killed. And one of the other characters says, it's, it's, it's kind of always tragic, but it's kind of worse. The fighting's supposed to be over. And I think that's the element that you get in these last few episodes, is you think they've survived so much, and yet somehow it could still all go to shit. Yeah. If you see what I mean. Yeah. yeah. And I think that element of tension drives these last few episodes completely because you kind of think oh the, you know the allies are coming the allies are coming they're safe they're safe and in a belgium or in a brussels that is particularly out for revenge for what's been going on over the last four years they are absolutely at their greatest peril the characters are in their greatest peril and that actually makes for an astonishing piece of um piece of television but a piece of drama but also what you get in that is you've got the the characters that you care about you know that this is all undeserved yeah but the people in the narrative the people in belgium the people in brussels genuinely don't know what you know as the viewer and that really really psychologically makes for an astonishing uh, place for the viewer to be in yeah, because you're actually sort of gri- gripping the cushions, going, "Oh, don't do that! They don't deserve that! Yes. They don't deserve that!" And and unfortunately, that's how the world kind of works. And but it adds astonishing element to the drama. Yeah, it really does. It's it's unique and it puts you in a position of knowledge that makes you really feel and yeah, blurt out and you know, as you say, grip the mm. grip the furniture. <laughs> if only this special unit could be got here sooner. 
If they could be contacted and reached by one of us. It's my van. It's at Jacques' farm. Oh, no, no. He was just topping it up with German petrol. Good. I'll go with you, Alain. It shouldn't be too difficult. I know Roosbrick and you can. Wait a minute. How are you going to prove your identity? Uh, take an evader with you. You're a tour at Madame Foucault's. Yes. Take the squadron leader. He'll know something about the Second Army. Right. I'll get a spare bike from Mark's place and I'll meet you at Madame Foucault's. I'll go there now, lads. Only ten minutes walk from here. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take me about half an hour. I'll see you right. there. Right. Take care of yourself. Good, Good luck, Alan. Good luck. Now, don't worry. I'll get help back here before you know it. Right. All right? Yes. We're talking about 10, 11, 12, and 13, those episodes. But mm. episode 9 sees the death of Major Bradley. And mm. it's a really good reminder of the fact the peril are in. And Secret Army doesn't think anything of killing off regular characters. You've previously mm. had Francois. You've had Lisa Colbert. Um, mm. So going into these final... And, fi- and my old Brandt Of course, well. and Brandt. So you, you, you know that there's, there's no there's no guarantee that your characters will survive or have a happy ending. And mm. I think that, that really does ratchet up the tension in a, in a really good way. My name is Turner. MI9 told me about you people. I have instructions to assist you in any way I can to establish your bona fides. You must get back quickly, Major. Is this man Vercors really dangerous? He means to kill Albert. Then we better move. Go, driver. Can I just say something um, sort of behind the scenes about mm. Series 3? Um, okay. It was broadcast in autumn 1979 during the time yes. of the ITV strike, um, mm. which had the effect of as many as 21 million people saw one episode. Um, but then... That's, that's more than City of Death. <laughs> <laughs> how, how dare they? <laughs> and post-strike, it kind of kept... You know, not the same figures, but like the last mm. few episodes, 14 to 16 million. So it really was, mm. you know, prime. It was hanging on to those viewers, wasn't it? That's yeah. Because uh, ITV came back in October, didn't it? And this finished just before Christmas. It did a Blake 7. It finished just before Christmas yes. time. But that classic lineup, um, I, I cannot, can there be a better lineup than Basil Brush? Doctor Who, the generation game with Larry Grayson, and then Secret Army. I'm sorry. I think that is the Saturday lineup of all time. That's the one I'd preserve in aspect and say that was when Saturday nights were the best. Well, you're not gonna you're not gonna switch over. I'm trying to think uh, what ITV bought bought back at that. Was that when Bruce's Big Night was around, or was that no? Amazing? That was much later. I mean, they had Incredible mm. Hulk. I think was the main opposition to Secret Army. Mm. Yeah, um, which was mm. popular, but a very different audience, <laughs> you know. So it is kind of peculiar because again, we're we're in, in an era there where people do not have uh, videos, you know, home videos generally. You know, obviously some people had them, but not very many. No, it's funny, funny story. Um, Clifford Rose did have a video, so <laughs> very early Bye, days. Jiminy. So Clifford, um, Clifford has all his had all of got his... it on the black market. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and had all of his he'll be listening as well bless him <laughs> he um, has all of his tapes which have the end of the generation game at the start of each episode which I just love that fact <laughs> yeah um, how much of the end of no never mind <laughs> 
so I just have this vision of you get you you get the conveyor belt, <laughs> the entire conveyor belt sequence yes. of, of a load of generation games that are, I'm assuming may not exist in any other place. You need to get those two. Yeah, yeah. Series three is a very different series in the sense that it's set over a much shorter time period. It's from. Mm. Most of the episodes are from June 44 to September 44. And yes. then what is not obvious at all, I think, when you're watching it, is then you have a six-month break and the final mm. episode set in spring 45. But yes. the majority of those episodes, those 12 episodes, are set just over three months. And that also mm. helps to heighten the tension and make you think, oh, mm. my God, this is breakneck. Mm. And There's, yeah, no, yeah. breakneck because I think there is actually a, a time jump uh, when Albert recovers in the in in the middle of the episode, he seem, it seems to be a couple of days later. Oh yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, you would actually think that again, considering the nature of the premise of the program, which is helping Airmen escape and getting them down the line, that's all gone. Yes, pretty much the f- by, yeah. by this stage of of the series. It's and you would kind of think, well, that would mean there's less peril, and yet those last four episodes. My God, they're like the very definition of peril, quite frankly. Well, the evasion line has actually gone by the end of the first episode because the first episode is called The Last Run. And after that, Natalie gets back and she's like, we can't do it anymore. And the series producer and script editor were saying, well, what we can do is we can have Natalie explore other routes. And Mm. there was talk of of a Holland line and getting people out over Mm. the sea and stuff that were, were, you know, true true mm. historical events but what they did was they looked at what was so successful about secret army and they decided mm. for the s- third series that they instead they'd focus more directly on the lead characters and their motivations mm. and their relationships so th- they eventually decided not to explore those other things and they thought we've got enough in these characters to make mm. this exciting and interesting without actually mm. going anywhere else um, other than how do we support the evaders who are hiding in bivouacs mm. in the Ardennes? Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's... it is it is kind of interesting uh, from from a dramatic point of view because actually there are moments in all these episodes that I think would work incredibly well on stage as two handers. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of two you know two actors in a room just being brilliant. Yes, exactly. And um, and and that happens, you know, with uh, the scenes in uh, well, we, we'll come to that. But but when when Kessler is caught up with, shall we say? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it also happens in in the cafe. You know, in, in the cafe. Stop going a cafe. In the restaurant. The restaurant. Indeed. The restaurant. Indeed. Yes. Um, you know, one of those things in life where someone I had to point out to somebody that it's not restauranteur, it's restaurateur. Yes, they, it's not spelled with it. the They end. wouldn't have yeah. it. They wouldn't have it. <laughs> Restaurateur. I was, I was dinner dinner party was at, and they would not have it. <laughs> there, there's Martin upsetting everyone at the dinner party just to make his. I point. do. I, that's why I don't go to them anymore. <laughs> I, I, I haven't been to one in decades. <laughs> probably, that's probably so funny. That is so you. <laughs> so, I, I I focus on many things. Yeah. So shall we move into the episodes? I think we ought to. So, yes. what what fascinates me about the last four actually? Yeah. The, is that you've got four different writers and four different directors. I know. I wrote them down. And I was like, oh, my God, they're eight different people. Yes. And yet somehow there is a consistency to it. Yeah. Which 
again is not not kind of, I, w- I wouldn't say miraculous, but it's very interesting that four you know eight different sort of viewpoints, if you like, can all come together. Now I'm assuming that's because there's a very good guiding hand, you know, overall, you know, sort of having overall control of this. But I did think it, it's it's interesting that you there's I, it's, it's either that by now you've got a house style or they're all just very good at it. Yeah. yeah well, it's interesting. I think. What is particularly odd is that Andrew Morgan, this was actually his first official directorial assignment. Mm. Um, Sorry, first and only episode, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. and According to the book I read. Yeah. yeah. And Michael J. Bird, his only episode for Secret Army as writer. Mm-hmm. And then you've got um, Roger Cheveley, who directs The Execution. He mm. wasn't a... Um, he'd done one ep- episode earlier, but he wasn't like one of mm. the established directors. So I think it's no. a very interesting choice for both the final two episodes that they were the people. But um, but mm. it's, it, it's, it works. It works. Do you think they were looking forward to the sequel? Or was the sequel not really even... No, it wasn't. It wasn't. The, the, it, the was, it was definitely a twinkle, but it wasn't something that was mm. set. But of course you had mm. Victors who direct more Secret Army than anyone else who was also yes. set to do episode 14, which didn't, you know, was never broadcast. Mm. So he was like, mm. he kind of perhaps felt like he had the finale in that. Mm. But, um, yeah, certainly it's it's a surprise that you've got eight different people. Yeah. Do you actually have a copy of the finale? Of course. Mm. <laughs> I don't so see I've, it as okay. a finale. I see it as a, a horrible addendum that doesn't work. <laughs> just I've, I, know, I, know you, I know you say in the book you don't need to see it. I just never have, so I was just wondering. Yeah, so we should say for, for listeners, it's called What Did You Do in the War, Daddy? I always call it What Did You Do That For, Daddy? Because it's so bad. Mm. It just should never have been seen. Anyway, should we move into Collaborator, though? Yes? Oh, Collaborator, yes. 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 Listen, you must stay where you are. I will send a car to collect you. Yes, but please send it quickly. I'm very frightened. It'll be there within 20 minutes. Just stay where you are. Ludwig? Was that Kessler? Yes, he's sending a car to collect me. You must go, then. You know choice. I know. Thank you for understanding and being kind. Please, Madeline, wait for me in there, yes. in the office. My case. I'll get your case. Go on, in there. Quick synopsis. Um, mm-hmm. Essentially, Albert's been released from prison. He returns to Monique and Natalie. Monique's been running the line. And mm-hmm. now it's a question of just waiting for the Allies to arrive because it's that close to the end of the war. Um, yes. Elsewhere, you've got Kessler, who is is started preparing to leave, as is, as is Reinhardt. But Reinhardt has been on the trail of Lifeline for mm-hmm. a good amount of time, and he's ready to... to yeah take it to the condide he thinks it's mm. the condide now and mm. yeah so that is that is the plot yes i think at this point we should point out two things really yeah. why albert was in prison yeah and also um that reinhardt the role that reinhardt is playing in this because yeah. he's actually a new character who was introduced in this series so, wasn't he so brant originally was going to be in all three series and it was late mm. in the day that they discovered that Michael Culver didn't want to continue into series three so essentially Reinhardt is is doing Brandt but mm. they were clever enough to realize oh well we could do something quite different with this and have him as more cynical have him as a different character and I think Reinhardt mm. really does breathe life into it's a new character and I think that's great mm. 
But the fascinating thing is mm. that because Albert felt like he had a relationship with Brandt and mm. and not a connection, but so, sort of like there was respect there. In yes. the original script for the last episode, Albert saves Brandt from execution. Right. Um, and letters are sent to the prison or something. Something happens whereby mm. that event didn't happen. But because yes. it's Reinhardt, they they don't go there. So I think that's really mm. interesting. Mm. But of course... This is uh, Terence Hardiman. Yes! The demon headmaster. Um, mm. Who is brilliant as Reinhardt. I think he's really... Mm give something new in this in this part. You and your pilots were picked up by resistance workers and taken to a house here in Brussels. If you say so. Oh, Flat Lieutenant, you didn't get to that house on your own. It is what is known as a safe house. Is it? Mm. And then this morning, you are visited by a very attractive young lady, Nathalie Chantron. He plays this very sympathetic role, and 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 there and there is a part of you you do feel that maybe that shouldn't necessarily be encouraged, if you like. But actually, I think in terms of the the drama, you really do have to rack up the difference between his kind of German and yeah. the Kessler kind of German. Yeah, Sorry, but stand even then, if you're a Kessler kind of German, yeah. But even then, with Kessler, what is fascinating is through the character of Madeline that you mm. actually do see that he has decent motives as far as she's concerned yes i mean he he is he is a horrible nazi and mm. the, the nazi sickness is strong in him and you know <laughs> and he believes yes. in a master race and all that stuff yes. and that's that's horrible and terrible and, mm. and the reality of the character mm. and yet he is capable of love mm. and i think that's a really important thing to show as long as you show it without trying to sort of like suggest you're being an apologist for the Nazis at mm. any point, you know? Yes. Because you could argue, I mean, obviously the sequel is based around his character. Yeah. So you could argue that he is kind of, I would say the heart and soul of um, Secret Army is not quite true because I believe the, the, the heart is, is Angela Richards. Totally, uh, yeah. and, possi and possibly the soul is um, is Bernard Hepton. Yeah, I like but that. The, or, or, or maybe the or maybe the other way around. Yeah. But uh, so, but Kessler seems to be I don't know. I think it's the I think it's our fascination with evil. It's our fascination with evil. Yeah, but it's the seam runs through the yeah. entire series. His his role. I mean, he only misses is it one or two episodes in the yeah. entire run. Yeah. I think it's just our human fascination with the evil that man can do, and with and with their when they become unswervingly believing in anything, as we know, that's always really mm. dangerous in life. When someone becomes that mm. passionate and sure about something. I mean, there's that line mm. I love in um, in Bridgehead when he says, when we rise again, as we assuredly will. Mm. His his belief mm. is so strong, it's terrifying. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just a great performance, yeah. isn't it, as well, yeah. as much as anything. I don't like your kind, Kessler. I never have. You are scum. The whole National Socialist movement is scum. But no one is going to point to the German military and say that we stabbed you in the back. When we rise from the ashes once more, as we assuredly will, you may be very glad you made this gesture, Oberst von Schalk. From whatever sentence, if I could believe for one moment 
that history would repeat itself and that the Nazi sickness would rise again in my country, I would shoot you myself, Kessler. I have no doubt about that. Because I remember him as Snell. Yes. In in Callan. Yeah. And and but but Snell was you got the impression that he was kind of well certainly of the of similar mindset, shall we say? Yes. Um, yeah. You know, I know from a scientific point of view, but you kind of felt that he was he was examining certain techniques that had been created by. Yeah. I don't know, Great Uncle Ludwig. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it um... certainly meant that he played more villains. Yes, mm. but um, I mean, he mm. worked very strongly after Secret Army, so I don't think he ever felt like typecast in a bad, in a bad way. Long, long career. Yeah, yeah astonishingly yeah. long. And career. he's still acting. Most mostly television. Yes, and mostly. Television. Oh no, well no, I would say mostly theatre. I mean, right. his RSC stuff. I mean, yeah, yes, so much. Probably more RSC mm. productions than any other actor. He honestly has done everything yeah i mean it's kind of interesting because obviously in terms of the general public people's can have these massive theater careers and people because they've not been on telly for 10 years forget they exist and i i remember making that mistake quite often when i was producing dvd releases and i was saying well it Mm. looks like they stopped acting and they'd be like hang Mm. on mate i was on the boards every night for three years acting in the theater just because it's not on imdb you know (laughs) that was an important lesson for me yeah I, th- I think the database uh, has, has there is now a, a theatre database, isn't there? Which is uh, yeah. Which so so at least that has been corrected, if nothing yeah. else, you know. So anyway, collaborator. Yeah. I suppose we should start with uh, Albert was in prison. Now we suppose we should explain. Oh yes, production reasons why yeah. Albert was in prison. So um, Bernard Hepton had um, a role, three roles in three Shakespeare plays at Tufnell Park for a very good director and he realised early on that he was going to be away for the first six months of filming or or thereabouts for, for the third series and he still wanted to do mm. Secret Army so they they mm. managed to um, sort it that they rearrange could it. rearrange the production schedule in such a complicated way that it must have done people's heads in because they start and yet start... interesting in a series that bumps off leads without blinking <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you couldn't lose Bernard Jerry Glaster was like we're not no. losing Bernard but yeah. it meant that they filmed episode six first, I think, and then filmed right. seven, eight, and nine, and then went all the way back to one. Oh, it's just so complicated. But um, and of course, for the viewers, you've got Bernard sort of hopping the lines really from 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 Nazi to well, from German officer to um, to Belgian in terms of of Kolditz. Uh, yeah, but I think by by the but, time you've watched two years of Secret Army, you've probably forgotten about him being a German in Kolditz. By this point, mm. well, it was there's five five years, yeah, sort of gap yeah. between those two. Yeah. But um, so you have him in prison sequences, um, so mm. that he felt he was still a presence in the episodes. But um, mm. the glory of it for me, the glory of the third, third series, is that it means that you get Angela and Juliet pushed to the front mm. because Monique has to take over the line, and mm. uh, which is unusual for seventies telly, isn't it? Because effectively, you've got two female lead characters in lead roles yeah. playing the most um uh, you know proactive role in the series yeah. which whilst it's probably more likely to be historic exactly that's what to say that. of, of wartime yeah. that parach- parachuted in paul shelley to um to so that there was some kind of male lead going on or, or was that was it not that simple um they thought that bradley had worked well and Mm. And they wanted to reintroduce that frisson with Natalie, which I think it works mm. well. 
But in terms yeah. of Angela, Angela's quite honest about the fact mm. she was utterly furious. <laughs> yeah. And also the fact that, that, that Natalie kicks ass, doesn't it? I mean, she's she's there with the machine yeah. guns and God knows what, you know. She, whenever there's a battle sequence, she's right in the yeah. middle of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing. But yeah, I, it, yeah. It, come on. You do feel with with uh, with like you say with Monique with Angela, it, 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 there does seem to have been this. Oh, can can we have a woman ooh, doing this? And you think, well, yes, yes, you can. Yeah. And yes, they did. Yeah. You know. No. You must have air gunners hidden in safe houses not too far away. We have several. I, I need a good man with a lot of experience. Uh, we have Flight Lieutenant Alan Cox. Flight Lieutenant. Yes. With that rank, he must be a gunner or leader. Just a chap. Where is he? Just a minute. It won't take long. I'll take him and bring him back. Major Bradley, RAF evaders are our responsibility. Yeah, I need it. And Flight Lieutenant Cox is in good hands until the British Army arrives. The British Army are fighting their way towards Brussels and they need help. Now, you've been told to cooperate with me in every possible way. Major Bradley, you're in my country now. We've lived under German occupation for four years. Don't walk in here and try to give orders to me. I'm not your subordinate. Um, and, and the unfortunate aspect of the production was that her first episodes recorded for this series when she's not got Albert mm. is with Bradley because they just started with those episodes but right. there are episodes where she is running the line on her own which they recorded later on mm. so she might have felt immediately mm. hamstrung by this and think oh god I immediately I'm mm. saddled with another man you know mm. and this number one this is too male number two this is not how it was historically so it's it's really interesting but I still think it, I think the Bradley-Monique tension is brilliant. And within that, Monique asserts her authority anyway, so she still comes out on top and is like, no, we're doing it my way. So, yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it spoils the series, but I can understand why Angela felt overwhelmed by, the, by the, this in, incursion, as it were. Yes. But anyway, by the time Collaborator starts, he's gone. He's, he's history. Yeah, he's, he is. We've seen the last of him. Yeah. You're going out after curfew, bad idea. Yeah. And and we are basically Albert has returned. So oh, no respite from. from <laughs> no, exactly. There's always a, oh, a bloke there's always again. a bloody man around, yeah. <laughs> telling me what to do. I think I think she and Natalie should have just run off together. I don't. Know. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, you make that joke, but it's interesting mm. that I remember Angela and um, Juliet telling me that there was a sense sometimes that oh, they're a bit too close, aren't they? Sort of like a bit like whispering mm. in corners about Monique and Natalie that they were suggesting there were these overtones, but they were mm. very strong in defending that. And it's like no, they're just really close. They love each other, yeah. and it doesn't have to be yeah. something like lesbian or anything, you mm. know. But sometimes a friendship is just yeah, a friendship. exactly. Absolutely. But it's it's interesting mm. how that is done to two women together. I find that fascinating mm. that people have to say that. So mm. yeah, it's another sort of patriarchal thing. <laughs> and 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 Al Albert arrives home to find both. Natalie and Monique there, yeah. and basically the the cafe has already been vandalised. Yeah, this is uh, interesting. Um, and and you're as a viewer are sat there going, well, that's so unfair. Yes, <laughs> collaborateur. <laughs> yes. yes, and uh, and it's starting to look as if it, it, people are sort of accusing Albert of being a profiteer, of being a a collaborator. You know, the, the the women are accused of being whores for the Germans yeah. and all this kind of thing. And you kind of start to get an impression that they had a... yeah. Because I, I did read in, in, a, in a certain book I read yeah. that uh, the, the actual uh, response to collaborators in Belgium was a lot worse than in certain other countries. Yes. So 
It, so this is this is kind of historically accurate, and and you, uh, even if the viewer you're going, well, what, 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 don't you know what they've done? Because no, you don't know what they've done because at this stage, and and Albert actually makes a point of this, you've security might catch up with them at this late in the war. You know they have to be doubly careful. Yeah. They have to be triply careful yeah. because if if you know they could lose everything when they're so so in view of the finishing line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something about these people who were, you know, suddenly all righteous at the end of the war mm. and wanting to mete out punishment. I mean, I think that mm. says something about people's own guilt at their own inaction or... I think it says pe- thing about people generally. I mean, this whole... this whole. I think people are very... It, it, I, I've been fascinated by the news recently, by people choosing to somehow, whatever crumb of high moral ground they can take, to try and dismiss what they've done. Yeah. Because they can just say, oh, well, you did yeah. this. The whataboutery yeah. is astonishing. Yeah. At the same time, at Nazi headquarters, General von Klinkerhofen and his... You know, it is von Klinkerhofen, unfortunately, isn't it? It is, it is indeed. Yeah. And there, that's an elephant in the room I suspect we need to come to. Yeah. But probably I'm not. really reluctantly going to uh, come to that. that r- yes. <laughs> well, do you, want, do you want to gloss over it now? They, they made a low low. It was it was really really insulting, and some of the same actors turn up. Yeah, I'm happy just to leave it at that because too much has been yeah. said about a low low, and it just. Yeah. I think because I've it diminish yeah. it diminishes what we're talking about. Yeah. But, I mean, we can't you can't pretend it didn't no, happen. No. But you yeah. know, it's it's not it's it's kind of it does kind of take away from the the, the series upon which it claims not to be based. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a whole different country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway. So we've got the problems that that come with liberation, which are the Germans are going away. So so law and order is breaking down. Uh, the mob are starting to, to control the streets, mm. and the Allies haven't arrived yet. And all the the plot that unfolds over the course of the next four episodes is generally down to this, and also the failure of Operation Market Garden in certain parts of Netherlands. Yeah. The Netherlands, yeah. yes. Sorry, I, I nearly said Belgium again then, but I think it's... <laughs> yes, it is. No. Um, I think one, one thing that I want to talk about is really fascinating is um, mm. that in the previous episode, Kessler has said to, Mo- to Madeleine in Sound of Thunder that the war is lost to Germany. But suddenly mm. here, when he's confronted by the official line and what he has to say to Reinhardt, he says, we will retreat into Fortress Germany and we will still win. And it's just like, he, he can't be seen to publicly say that they're going to lose. And no. he has to have that defiance, and I th- I find that really in keeping with his character. But um, yes, and of yeah. course there, you had you have to set up these two antagonistic characters yeah. be- before for everything that sort of happens as as their relationship yeah. sort of unfolds through the next. But something that's fascinating, and it literally has only just occurred to me watching these episodes again, and I didn't put it in the book, mm. um, is that I think Kessler is partly driven to destroy Reinhardt in the end because mm. of his own guilt at the point at which he left Brussels that he was actually only interested in Madeline's safety and he wasn't really you know he didn't want to he, he didn't care about Lifeline he was he actually rings the Condide to only to locate Madeline rather mm. than to say Foire I know it's you you little bastard you know it's really mm. interesting that he only means the condit that he he actually pretty much knows by then because of Reinhardt is the center of lifeline and mm. he's like he just wants madeline to get away which well, shows that his love for madeline but also i think he 
that's the only time he neglects his duties there. Yes. So the irony of him then then saying to Reinhardt, oh, well, you, you know, you, you neglected your duties. I think it's just interesting. I think mm. there's a bit of guilt that he carries along with him there. Mm. Is, my, is my little takeaway this time. The, the the contrast between the two characters is actually quite fascinating. It's it's uh, because, like you say, they are they are the the sort of ordinary German soldier and the Nazi German yeah. soldier, and they are they are banging heads, yeah. which of course is 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 a theme that Glaister covered in Colditz as well, yeah. with the Anthony Valentine character, which apparently is supposed to be quite similar. Yes. To yeah. heart in 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 yeah, execution yeah. <laughs> in 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 in, certain, yeah. in in creation. Apart, apart from the fact so, that Mo, is it Morn? Is that what he's called M O H N? He is a Nazi, though, isn't he? Yes, yeah. but they were just saying. But then Hepton isn't. So yeah, exactly. I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. It's to have that discussion about the differences. Because you know, maybe again, you could argue it's something to do with. With European relations at that stage in in mm. in Britain, in in terms of when we're putting these things on screen, we have to also tell the world that not all Germans are Nazis and vice versa. You know. Already the Allies are talking about putting some people on trial at the end of the war as criminals, not soldiers. Are you suggesting we will lose the war? We've already lost it. It's just a matter of how long the Führer intends to prolong the agony of the German people. We have not lost the war, Herr Major. Merely the battle for France. We are to withdraw into the fortress, Germany, to regroup under the Führer. Oh, you can't seriously believe that. I can see no reason to believe otherwise. Our orders have arrived. We are to move back into Holland. Come. I, I also think it's interesting that Kessler is driven by his fervency and his passion for Germany and, and for Madeleine, it appears, mm. but um, for Nazi Germany. But Hardman's um, Reinhardt is actually driven by the puzzle. He wants to work mm. it out, doesn't he? He doesn't necessarily yes. want to... As Brandt did before. Yes. As well. Interesting. It is, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think there's quite the sense that he just crossed out one name and put in the other, but, um, you know, it's kind of like that arc was, was set up for the three years and obviously an actor not returning made that have to shift slightly, but the general overall arc of that makes <clears throat> makes sense, you know. The, but then again, you're given a job to do, aren't you? You're given yeah. a job to do and you want to solve the puzzle because, you know, if you've spent a year chasing, you know, ghosts or whatever, you at the end of it, you want to find out, you know, the answer. Yeah. You always want to find out the answer. Yeah. So basically, episode, the collaborator ends with the the other aspect of it, which is Ralph Bates's character coming in. Yeah. Paul Vercourt. Paul, Paul Vercourt. Yeah coming in to uh, basically wreak his wiwengi yeah. on Albert and and our heroes are dragged off by the mob yeah. at the end of the episode having just had this ex been exposed by the escaping or the last German in, in Brussels yeah. well we should I want to sort of rewind a bit I, I sort of talk about um, Natalie and Alain meeting the um, allies and Mm. I mean, it's a bit of a nonsense plot, if, I, if I'm honest, because they go to find the Allies in order to help them hurry up. Mm. How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like, hurry up, you've got to get to the Condide. It's like, well, mm. why don't they all four of them go in the car towards the Allies and then they'd be safe? Do you mm. know what I mean? Rather than just two mm. of them it's, going. It's a weakness of the episode which makes you think, actually, uh, again, I sometimes get this suspicion is sometimes you've got too much story for or too many, too much plot for the story that's being told. Yeah. And that was possibly, that would have been an episode in its own, yeah. Natalie and Alan yeah. 
you know, and and to 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 give that not just to give them something to do in the episode, but actually you could have had an episode where that happened. Yeah. And it, you know, you would have felt that, but maybe if they felt that that would t take away from the tension that's building up in Brussels itself. Yeah. So, but equally, you couldn't just sort of say send them off and they come back. You know, yeah. you have to see that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't. It, it logically it makes little sense, really. Uh, I mean, obviously, because you get because one it exposes the lifeline such as it was, to, you know, the safe house yeah. when 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 the person following Natalie finally again you start to wonder how they got away with it so yes, long. exactly. It so bloody easy, <laughs> so bloody easy to suddenly unravel it. In yes, that, in that you're one right. Episode, you know. Yeah. You kind of think actually they must have been a bit rubbish. <laughs> they were bound to get caught eventually because this. Yeah, you know. I think it's the fact that they've but, actually got a tail on someone from the Condide that because they've worked out yes. it has to be them really. But um, I just wanted to say something about the fact that obviously this episode was given to Michael E. Bryant because he was known as the action director, one of two on Secret Army. Victor Sotelis also being very action oriented, but and also the fact you know his stuff on sea devils and other doctor who's where he's using like he used the navy in this and here he uses the raf regiment to great effect knowing he would pull that off but the interesting thing yes. behind the scenes here which is worth mentioning is that um the the head german in that big ambush or whatever it is um is he's not given a name on screen but he's given a name um by the person who played him and that name is helmut rath and okay. he was played by none other than Bill Randall, who was the series advisor. Oh. So he was finally given the chance to to be in the series, and he took it with both hands I'd... and loved it. And he and gets machine gunned by yes, Natalie. he gets killed by Natalie, <laughs> and poor Bill Randall. And he oh. wrote a book about a prequel to that in ninety okay. nine about the adventures of Wrath okay. called Condor. So that's just a side sidebar there. Oh. Um. So, so, so this is this is the merchandise that you can get that's related to Secret. <laughs> yes. Um, I also just wanted to say how perfect. I, was, I just want to say how perfect Reinhardt is with those lines. Like it was always the Condide, always the Condide. Mm. That line is just like oh, I just love that moment when he's. It's the culmination of those three years. It is. Isn't it? That's you know you know that search you know. And even even though he's only actually been in the previous yeah. nine episodes, it still it still feels like ah, oh. yeah, you know. And it's that is what yeah, it's yeah. just so. And the pride that Albert obviously has in that yes, it was, and mm. we bloody showed you mm. for three years. You had the run around, mm. and it's just it's mm. so perfect. Shall we have a drink together? Why not? It was always the Candide. And of course, again, every th this this moment in the cafe seals Reinhardt's fate completely. Yeah. You know, if he'd done anything else at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he was walking out of Belgium alive, don't get me wrong. No. no. <laughs> but, but, but surrendering. You just kind yeah. of think the, a chain of events is set in motion mm -hmm. from this point. Uh-huh. Uh, and obviously, because he is also dragged away with uh, with Albert yeah. uh, to an uncertain fate yes. at the end of the episode. I also just want to go back and mention one other thing, sorry. <laughs> and that is, um, I do love the scene in which Albert and Monique are setting tables, which is 
Oh, something yes. Because that, 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 that parallels something. It parallels the scene in Scorpion done. in the second series where they also set tables mm. and have very important conversation about their lives. Mm. And mm. here, the tables haha, have turned in the sense that mm. Albert's just assuming, oh, yeah, we'll get married now and it'll be all right. And she's like, no, mm. actually, I've found mm. out I can cope on my own and I mm. don't think I do want to be with you anymore, actually. And the experience of running Lifeline has has shown her that she has a life and a character and motivations of her own. And I think it's so well done. And I, I think that's a really important scene. There's no other way. We stay as we are, carry on as before, until the war's over. Not quite as before, Albert. We'll lead separate lives from now on. I mean it. Did you take a lover whilst I was away? Man. Just because it isn't you, it must be someone else. Is that it? I just found out that I'm capable of living as a solitary human being without relying on anyone. For four years, you made all the decisions about us. And I went along with that because I loved you. But these last few weeks while you've been away, I've had to make decisions for myself and others. And I want to go on making my own decisions. So, so the avid listener could go and play Scorpion back to back with collaborators. Yes. And, Although I, and see the parallel. I confess I haven't seen that episode for a while, so I don't remember the detail mm -hmm. of that. Okay. okay, should we move on to Days of Judgment? Yeah, now Days of Judgment is interesting because when I watched the entire Secret Army about two years ago for an article I did for Andrew and Lisa yeah. on Round the Archives, because I need to mention that. Cause yeah, you do. The, the <laughs> uh, the, um, I thought all this stuff happened a lot earlier in Series 3. Ah. Now, it could be because I also watched Tenko and maybe, because Tenko the War finishes at the beginning of Series ah, okay. 3, so maybe maybe I just got that mixed up in my yeah. head. But I actually got this the idea, there's so much plot that I kind of think, well, this all must be about Episode 6. <laughs> so... So, so when we actually, when you actually told me, you know, that it's the last four episodes, this astonished me. So you get Days of Judgment, which is Victor's Ritalis, Ritalis, yeah, and written by Eric Pace. That's right. uh, broadcast first of December nineteen seventy nine. This is basically where the chickens, as it were, are starting to come home to roost, and it starts with a with this view of a, basically a Nazi flag being put over a head, a chain round a neck, and somebody being chucked off a platform who isn't Albert and you do kind of think that's lucky for Albert and the plot yeah. but that they did him first whoever it yeah. was no, never seen again extra yeah. but um, the vengeance wasn't you know they didn't have to do him maybe they wanted him to see I don't know it's kind of it's kind of a weird piece of psychology from Ralph Bates there and the strangely mysterious silent woman yes who was in the script as the angel of death mm. yes that's interesting but um I mean, the Vercor stuff is perhaps the least successful element of the third series, in my opinion. I think Ralph Bates is very good, but in terms of mm. the the script of what Vercor's motivation is, how Albert ended up in prison mm. because of his the death of his wife, it's all a bit confused. And I think it's the only thing that wasn't scripted to the max, like everything else was. This is the bit that um, that didn't quite work in terms of a through line, because is he? He's really just 
killing off Albert because of Max is the idea, isn't it? Because of Max's death. But um, it's it's kind of it's kind of petulant though as well. It's like it's a petty motivation. It's a personal yeah. vendetta. Yes. And also the fact is that you don't really see there's no resolution to it. No. As far as I can see, you basically he just has has a bit of a drink in the cafe and horrible things are probably going to happen to you and you don't see him mm. again, you know. You kind of feel that that you don't get a payoff on that storyline apart from the fact he doesn't get away with trying to murder Albert. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is problematical. Yeah. If if you know if you're if you're following an arc, yeah. I mean it's not problematical because I mean he's a he's not an important character in no. that sense. It's not a character you actually care no, about. Exactly. But, but it's kind of you sort of feel that you know him going down an alley like Shelley, uh, Paul Shelley did, and you know <laughs> coming to an uncertain fate, you know, or, or being ironically strung up as a collaborator himself, or or just the general vengeance of the um, against the communists yeah. generally. You, you just feel that somehow you should get some inkling that, that bad things happen to him. I'm not wishing bad things on anybody, <laughs> but you kind of feel that um, that his character needs to have n- not have that open-ended. Yeah. I think it's important... Unless you're going to tell me he turns up in Kessler. No. I've not seen Kessler yeah. for years. I think I saw it on first transmission. I've never oh, seen it okay. since. So should really I do get send you a copy, don't worry, sir. <laughs> um, so... One character who isn't in Days of Judgment, but who hangs over it... Mm is Monique. It's yes. It's fascinating how well that's played in terms of sound and production um, because you have um, Je suis sur ce soir and J'attendrai, two of Monique's classic songs, like French classic songs, mm. that are played during the episode to remind you that she's not there. Where is she? We hear mm. her almost because we hear these radio recordings of this, of this other singer, but... Mm. Well, I would say that's Hitchcockian in itself because that's the thing where the absence of a character, it becomes all about that character. Yes. It's very interesting. Yeah, and you've got Natalie so desperate to find her. Um, I find it interesting that this episode, the rewrites were mainly around upping Natalie's role in this episode to make it clear her desperation to find Monique Mm. and the fact that she does several incredible things. She fronts up to Furcourt, even though that's hugely dangerous. And she mm. also marches straight into German headquarters in the Avenue Louise, straight into Kessler's office, which mm. is somewhere she probably never wanted to be, and says, mm. look, to the head British honcho, sort this out. We've got to find Monique. This is the most important thing. And it's just yeah. incredibly um, brave and strong, and I love it. Mm. There. Mm. <laughs> I'm afraid the Major's in a briefing conference at the moment. Have you heard anything? There hasn't been much time. As you can imagine, we've been rather busy. Can I see him, please? Not at the moment. He's with the resistance leaders. Oh, so much the better. I say, you can't just pop in there like... Major Turner, you promised to make inquiries about Monique Duchamp. Terribly sorry, sir. She just wouldn't wait. It's all right. Have you? Can any of you chaps help us? Then do any of you know Monique Duchamp? We know her. I think not well enough. The Condé was owned and run by us. Albert Foire, Monique Duchamp, Alain Muni, and this young lady here, Nathalie Chantron, were our agents. Why weren't we told this before? It was too great a risk. I see, Major. You can trust a black marketeer like Monsieur Foire, but not the resistance movement. Did you tell the evasion lines who you people were? We used people who were least likely to arouse suspicion, just as you did. Monsieur? 
Do you know Paul Vercors? I might. Where can I find him? You can trust them, monsieur. It is important. And of course, uh, the other thing is that uh, uh, Juliet can switch on the old tears like a tap. Yes, and she kn- <laughs> and she knew she could. And all by then, the directors and the writers all knew she could. And and she used to think she, they'll put the camera on me because I cry. <laughs> you know, they knew it. You know, yeah, yeah. And also in yeah. this episode, that although it is it is uh, slightly bookmarked in the previous episode, we get the return of Van Bruggen. We do. Played by Gunnar Muller, yeah. He was one of those tragic characters, uh, but not in this episode. This episode, he starts on a quest that actually leads to his yes. doom ultimately, yeah. I suppose. As, as they all seem to be doing, really. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is the nature of the end of series. Everybody has there's a wrapping up of storylines and everything like that. But uh, Kessler's on the run. He he's, he's run out of petrol. I love the way that they, they cut them early, at least until his petrol runs out, and then you promptly cut to Tim having his petrol yes. run out, which I think is yeah. Right, Albert has been saved, Reinhardt has been saved, and Reinhardt is defusing bombs in offices, and Kessler is on the run. And again, if you've followed the series for three years, you're finally thinking, aha, he's, 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 he's going to get his comeuppance. Yeah. And... On the run, he basically manages to brutally take somebody else's identity. Yeah. And he is witnessed by von Van Brucken, yeah. who who sees him and becomes obsessive about this this, this the, the chief German officer in in Brussels. I've seen him. I've seen him today. Yeah. And all these other people don't really care very yeah. much. And he finally gets him gets to HQ, and and somebody actually takes him seriously, yeah. you know. <laughs> but by then, like a ghost, Standartenführer, no, yeah, yes, Standartenführer Kessler has. Sorry, I was I was I was thinking of demoting him. <laughs> sorry. Well, he's a mayor now, anyway. <laughs> Don't say that in front of Clifford. <laughs> no, I mean he's 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 now mayor. What's he Spitzberg. Spitzberg. Spitzweg, not Spitzen. Spitzweg. Yeah. He is now Mayor Spitzweg. Yeah. Uh, he is. He is. He is in the wind. He is a ghost. He is. Now something about this. He's a ghost. He's in the wind. Now this is where Victor Retellus's direction was perfect for this episode. You've got mist. Mm. You've got half seen things like when Van Brocken first sees him. It's like in in the mist, and he turns around. And is it Kessler? Is it not? Is he imagining it? Um, mm. It's perfect that this episode was directed by Rotellis because he loved doing extra clever little things sometimes they pay off mm. sometimes they don't so much there's an episode not mm. according to plan in which they keep showing a cat for no good reason and there's other episodes where I feel like, oh this is obviously Victor's Rotellis because something weird's going on here mm. <laughs> and I love Victor's but here this mm. works brilliantly and you mm. you really feel like oh he's really thought about the direction of this mm. yeah it's like you can always spot a piece of Jay Hammond because there's a reflection and you're filming through things. Yes, and yeah, yeah. Windows and yeah. stuff. You know, so. People do have their style. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, 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 that's um, there's also one thing I, I, I do remember about Days of Judgment, and that's, uh, again, it's, it's one of those strange things where you start to see parallels with things that are going on now, but is that moment when Albert goes on about keeping the restaurants open. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> of course, parallels. It just, feel, just feels relevant, yeah. relevant now. Yeah. So I quite like. But there's a very deliberate yeah. thing there about how he puts all his energies into the restaurant and into keeping it going and the money side of mm. things and owning the Condide mm. and all that stuff at the expense mm. of his relationship with Monique. And it's a decision he makes. Mm. But I think what's not said on screen is perhaps important to say that one of the reasons why is because I think he's an, he's a terribly proud person is Albert and he can't just climb down mm. in order to apologize mm. and to see yes. Monique. And I think pride is a barrier. And I also think fear is a barrier, the fear of rejection. And I think those two things are what come together to stop him trying to reconcile with Monique. I mean, at this point, obviously she, she, he doesn't know where she is, but I think that's partly, he doesn't want to face her. No. He doesn't, it's not that he doesn't want to rescue her, but I don't think he wants to face her. Mm. You know, but yeah. So are, are we are we saying then that the when he says he can't remember what happened about the hanging, yeah. is is that more of an excuse? Because obviously he gets the flashback, he sees the rope. Yeah, and suddenly, I think it's you know. a, a mixture of the two. Maybe it's more in the in the following mm. episode where it's it's more about the pride and the fear. Maybe I don't know. Mm. But the rest of this episode really is about um, Madeline and um, Spitzweg. Yeah, no, it's really interesting that. Ritellis and Rose had a difference of opinion on this episode. So right. Victor Ritellis, as the director, wanted um, Kessler to treat Madeline really badly. And Rose was mm. like, no, 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 no. He loves Madeline. Mm. He is mm. going to be have this instinct for survival, but he will also mm. want to take her along with him. And she's very important to him. And I think there was... Mm. A, obviously, it's in the script that, you know, they come together and they, they declare their love for each other. But um, I think there's a mm. bit of it's, it's an interesting tension there of um, what the expectation was as to as mm. to how Kessler should be played in the in this in this episode. And at mm. first, it kind of Ritalis kind of feels like he's got the band because because Kessler's like, come on, Madeline, and sort of like she's got the suitcases. Mm. But I think it's more just a well, she's obviously a, she is obviously a keeper because she puts up with a lot. Yes, from that she really does. <laughs> bless her. Yeah. Canal by now. We must have taken the wrong turning. I can't keep up. American mustangs swarming around like flies. Where's the father? I'm holding you up. As long as we can keep moving undercover until nightfall, tomorrow Dietrich's panzers will be ready for an counterattack. Madeline, there is a chance, believe me. The Allies have stretched their lines too far. It's the classic mistake. Just say you love me. I love you, Madeline. More than my life. But I think it's also the episode in which handbag in yeah, hand, which you also, yeah. But you know the reason for the handbag. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I read the book. Yeah, <laughs> so I should say just for, for the podcast that Hazel McBride's idea was that she had the necklace that she uses later to free Kessler in the in the bag, which is a reason to clasp onto that bag. 
um, mm. throughout. But I think Hazel McBride really shines. I think she shows that she's a character in her own right. She's not just a, she's not in any way a, a cipher to Kessler. She actually is strong, and she's the scene she has in the barn with Clifford, in which mm. she effectively demands him to burn that letter, even though mm. that letter will prove Spitzfe- that he's Spitzweg. Mm, um, indeed the fact that he burns it for her shows that she loves him and the fact that she demands that he does that just shows her strength of character and i just think it's so beautifully played those two just really connect brilliant you've left out the most important question of all have you ever been a member of the national socialist party no never i have no interest in politics as a serving soldier I carried out the orders of my superior officers according to my oath of allegiance. Are you married, Franz Spitzweg? I doubt if that would interest them. They're more concerned with trying to place the disposition of regiments. But if they should? Yes, I've been married for five years to Gertrude Lieselotte Spitzweg. We have two children, Kurt and Elizabeth. So you have a settled family life, Herr Mayo. Oh, Madeline. You and I know it's only a fiction. Spitzweg is dead. Who are you? If I should be unlucky enough to be captured, then I am Spitzweg, simply to satisfy the interrogators. If you are captured and you are a Major in the 15th Artillery with a wife and two children in Travimunda, then who am I? So in, in in the course of those scenes, you 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 understand their relationship. I mean, there's there's a little bit of a gratuitous stocking shot, but we'll we'll we'll. Well, well I don't mind. Madeline's sexy. She is. <laughs> okay. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, and and obviously they are. He, he is absolutely trying to get this new identity. You know, that if he's cross-examined, you know, you can see the single-mindedness yeah. of yes. Kessler. Yes. In this episode, you can absolutely the focus on survival, yes. and then of course, then of course he's undone by this one of the simplest tricks in the and, book. Which yes, he, he scampers out. He, he veritably, veritably scampers out to see the Germans. Yeah, but yeah, the the, the Germans rise again because he hears the Lily Marlene again. Lily he Marlene. sees the theme of the series, series three. Uh, Lily Marlene. Mm. Angela sings it in the first mm. episode. It's on the piano. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you noticed in Collaborator, someone's playing Lily Marlene very slowly on a piano as the backdrop, and here you get the allies whistling it, and it's Kessler's downfall. And 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 so Kessler or yeah. Spitzweg is is yeah. taken, and uh, and uh, Madeline has to well confront him as as he, she was quotes yes. his hostage. Uh, and uh, there's a very powerful yeah. scene between them uh, in the yeah. courtyard, and then they are they are separated. She is she is given a ride Brussels, back yeah. to Brussels, and and uh, he has to walk, and he is now a prisoner yes. of war. But they don't know what they've no. got. No, they don't. <laughs> We're just over halfway through our episode focusing on Secret Army. I just wanted to take the opportunity to let you know, if you don't know already, that my book on the series, The Complete Secret Army, is still available from Classic TV Press. And also, we are still selling copies of the CD, An Evening at La Condide, 
which features Angela Richards singing all of her songs from the series and a few others too and it is really wonderful so you can pick both of those up from classictvpress.co.uk Your sweet face sings to haunt my dreams My lily of the lamplight My So we move on to Bridgehead, the penultimate episode, written Bridgehead. written by Michael J. Bird, um, directed by Andrew Morgan, and the working title of this episode was Monique. It will forever be, for me, the episode in which Monique almost has her head shaved. And mm. if I had to just pick one scene from all the Secret Army that mm. that is the scene, it's this scene, and it's because I think it's it achieves a, a sort of immortality for that moment it's so well done mm. it feels so real um angela herself said it felt like a time warp when it was being filmed it felt like it was actually mm. happening and the emotion of that i mean it hit me at nine mm. when i watched the repeats at nine in 81 mm. and i just couldn't believe what was happening and i remember shouting at the tv don't they know that she's the goodie she's not you know this isn't no. I, I i again it's kind of weird because i in in my head, it was much earlier in in the series. Right. Yeah. Okay. It, it, you don't feel there's so much happens in those last two episodes that you genuinely. I just. I, it can't be that. It can't. It can't. Why hasn't this happened yet? You know why isn't this? Happened? Oh, because I see. Yeah. I, I genuinely. There's no way they can tell the rest of this story in two episodes. You know, and also the sequence itself, in my memory, lasts a lot longer than it actually does. Right. Interesting. Which again, I think, is 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 testament to the sort of impression it makes on you. Yeah, as a piece of television, I think sometimes I know they say when people in in accidents time slows down. Yeah, but I think when you're watching a piece of television that's so utterly memorable, yeah, if you like, yeah, 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 it actually stretches yes. in your mind and lasts ten, fifteen minutes when really it's 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 only really about five minutes of the episode, yeah. really, you know. Yeah. And of course, the other side of that is as as probably one of my ongoing themes in all these things. I am very very suspicious of the mob. I'm very suspicious of what people can do when they act yeah. as the mob. Yeah. And this, I think, may be part of why I think that. <laughs> yeah. Having seen it on first transmission, I think this may have lodged itself so deep into my soul yes. that I, I realised that the injustices that people wreak out out of pure ignorance yeah. is astonishing. Yeah. And it never changes. That's not changed since the no. war. That will always be with us. That people will do incredibly stupid, evil things without mm. any enough evidence. My God. I don't understand. She's not a collaborator. 
And really, you know, with, with those ten minutes, of the episode no, it's not, it's not over at all. Um, <laughs> no, it really isn't. Because there's there's an awful lot of story gets told in this episode. Some of it, again, is very concertinaed. Yes, and I think um, I think this is it's worth. Um, and we've got Angela talking about this herself later in our mm-hmm. podcast extra. But um, the issue of Durnford coming and rescuing mm. on his tank on, mm. on a white charger and mm. effectively um sweeping her off her feet but um yes. it's it's meant to be set over a few few days and weeks i think this episode and she gradually yes. falls for him but um yes. for her she she wanted another way and she wasn't that happy that this was happening but as mm. i said as i say in my interview to her i felt i i buy it because i think there's something Simple and straightforward about Durnford. He just loves her for who she is. And mm. he obviously is dotty about her. And it's so easy for him to ask her to marry him that there's mm. a reality to that and a simplicity that Monique just says, oh, yeah, OK, because mm. she's waited for that for so long. So, yes, she is going to yes. say yes. And mm. I do love that they managed to build up something that feels quite true in one mm. in the space of one episode and i think it's a testament mm. to her and to stephen chase that they achieve that but i think mm. it cost angela to get there because she didn't quite believe in it behind the scenes <laughs> no again you feel three or three or four more episodes yes you feel that a 16 16 part series yes. might have actually benefited uh because also in this episode you get albert gets and loses you know you give and take you know he gets the the restaurant but he loses her yeah uh so so you get that going on yeah you also get the brilliant peter arn oh isn't he brilliant yes who's the uh the oberst, uh, oberst le- leading german officer yeah. the leading german officer in in the uh, prisoner of war camp i suppose you'd call it yeah. i mean we all we all know the circumstances of how his life ended yes uh, again frontios yeah costume fitting but uh God, he's good, isn't he? Oh, he's so good, and he's a real—he's a real um, opponent for Kessler. He stands up to Kessler in in such mm. a strong, charismatic way, and you'd have to be quite mm. a good actor to to do that effectively. And yeah, mm. but the underplaying, I think, is is oh, interesting. Yeah, you know, I think he—he doesn't—he's not a raving, you know, German officer. He is calm. And and I, I, the bits I love is where he just won't catch people's eye because he he's doing things he really thinks you know because basically he, he is complicit in the cover up of Kessler yeah isn't he? he's complicit in that yeah. completely you know and of course the other strand of Bridgehead is the tragedy of Van Van Brucken yeah which still annoys me why does it annoy you so much Martin because you said that to me by text the other day I was like oh I'm interested no it's no I just I just the, the fates. The the whole thing that the, I know I know in, in 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 drama, a tragedy has to be played out. Yeah, and a, a tragedy will be played out to its ultimate conclusion. Yeah, and I understand that. Yeah, but God, it seems so unfair. Yes, and, he, and, and it's, he's just dis- the circumstances. He's dis- and the only yeah. reason he, go on. I was just going to say on. he's dispensed with so quickly as well at the end there. Mm. He's literally just dispatched. It's arbitrary, but that's arbitrary but that's so deliberate. That's the nature of what they were doing. Yes, you've got the whole Operation yeah. Market Garden, the yeah. old bridge too far thing, is happening off screen, and and the way we see that is through this tiny, tiny moment where he interacts with soldiers from different sides, yeah. 
and ultimately the Germans, who are supposed to be on the run and beaten, come back and take this terrible revenge. Yeah. This terrible revenge on... And he almost finds his fate in the wrong war. Yeah. But that's not too too overly egging the pudding. He was a deserter in the First World War who gets shot for helping deserters in the Second World War. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and these children yeah. who were soldiers at this stage, I mean, these two scared teenage boys, yeah. you know, who are just want to get home. Yeah. And they don't really want to be in the war. They've obviously been conscripted and they just, they're hiding on it. He doesn't even know they're on his barge when he gets on yeah. his barge. And yet he decides to help them and the barge is searched by Nazi officers. I'm going to say, well, German officers. And the nasty piece of work who basically gives the order, lines them up and shoots all three of them. Yeah. And just, it just, yeah, life's so unfair. Yeah. Ah. Just makes it makes me angry on that score. Really, it's got it's got nothing to do with you know yeah, no, I the needs that. of the drama. I, I just I just go away feeling oh you bastards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's difficult to watch. Yeah. It really is difficult to watch. Unit Twelfth Infantry, sir. <laughs> you find this amusing, Minier? Sheltering German soldiers, yes. A private joker. They are not German soldiers. They are deserters. One thing I wanted to mention is that um, this is the episode where I feel I, I think about Tenko a lot just because Tenko's final series is after the war and it's all about mm. the liberation and how that affects everyone. Mm. But you've also actually got Michael Lees playing Col- Colonel Northwood here who hands right. over the Condé to, to Albert and that's all agreed. Mm. And he plays Mrs. Van Meyer's love interest in the third series <laughs> right. of Tenko. Um, but you've also got the stuff about... You've got the Kessler Yamauchi thing about the war criminal aspect, about mm. you know they're talking about war crimes and trials and mm. stuff like that, and it's just there's there's that parallel of you know the big bad and what's going to happen, and mm. I just I just think it's it's an interesting parallel between the two series that it, I just kept thinking about Tenko mm. during this. Yeah, it's interesting really because I don't think many series or many uh, films have really covered the end of the war in in the same way that that this and to a certain extent Colditz although Colditz is quite late in the day had yeah. Tenko Secret Army and all three look at shall we say the murky greatness it's it's the fog of war isn't it it totally you know, is you get this thing that that people with victors and losers and all this kind of thing but actually the war generally is much is a much more murky thing and and who are the winners and who are the yeah. losers? There's lots of wrongs in in both sides of yeah. any any situation. You've got good people who happen to be on the wrong side of history. You've got bad people who happen to be on the right side yeah. of history. And it's very it's very easy to be black and white. And I, what I love about these these long dramas like Tenko, like Colditz, like this, is that they they actually explore, shall we say, the, the less black and white. Absolutely. Areas of these I mean, co- these conflicts. Secret Army never shies away from the fact that lifeline people make terrible decisions and sometimes wrong mm. decisions. I mean in Is it is it Albert in, in is it in series one where he just goes and shoots that guy? Sergeant on the run, yeah. He comes back quietly to the yeah. condeed with the gun and puts it in the drawer. Mm. Yeah, and it's a, that's mm. the first wow, okay. 
oh, who are the goodies then? I remember John watching it for the first time. He said, oh, but I thought he was the good guy. I'm like, yeah, this is Secret mm. Army. <laughs> it's like, you know, this is not, this is war. This is stra- mm. this isn't straightforward. It's not about right and wrong because mm. no one wins in, in a war. Mm. And I think such good messages, but um, yeah. I also, I also at, the, at this stage, because we're going we're gonna to move on to the last episode, which is the, the execution, but I, I do want to give a, a quick shout out for Valentine Dial. Yes. Because Valentine Dial is one of those actors whose reputation now is all a bit, he did the man in black and he was a bit shouty and a bit hammy. Yeah. He's brilliant in this. Yeah. He's absolutely brilliant as uh, Dr. Kelderman, yeah. isn't he? Dr. Yeah, that's right. Um, and um, he's just... It's an astonishingly, again, I mean, I think when you've got Valentine Dial's voice, yeah, you're never you're never going to fade into the background, yeah, <laughs> of a scene, but he he plays these things beautifully, yeah, he really and does. very underplayed you know, as well. Cl- he realizes very class actor. He realizes he's a supporting player, but yeah, he gives yeah. it enough, yeah, mm. yeah. But but isn't isn't doing that supporting player? Everybody look at me. No, exactly. I worry about how quickly his head heals, but I suspect that's part of that time, um, yeah. that time uh, thing d- that d- where, d- where Albert recovers. To say nothing of their recovery from bubonic plague just a few weeks earlier. <laughs> well, yes, yes, there, there is that too. Was this his first? Was were these the? Had he actually disappeared from the series completely in in, in the intervening episodes, or did he? Did he? Pop I don't up remember. Up I, don't, I don't remember. No. Yeah. It's because I just think he, he it's all again I, I know there was some talk of not him not surviving anyway yes and of course he got he goes all the way back to the first series yeah. when uh, with Lisa yeah when uh, when when he was he was employing Lisa wasn't yeah. he so, yeah as, as his nurse I just wanted to say about the location filming because I think mm-hmm. this this third series has so much location filming in fact Secret Army has quite mm. a fair bit but this third mm. series they really make the most of Brussels and honestly the fact that you can you can go down the gallery de Lorraine, which um mm. monique and durnford go down together when they you know oh is that where the, the barrel organ is yes and the barrel organ is still mm. there and it's mm. it's so of its time and you can walk around the grand place you can actually see the condide that's what's amazing mm. about secret army is you can actually go to the condide it's now owned mm. by maxims which is you know uh, famous mm famous Maxime's restaurant it's one of the chains there's another one in Paris mm. and we, we went in there for a meal so that was quite amazing to do that you know we can actually go and eat in the restaurant but um, they make so they make the most of those locations whether they're in the UK mm. or in Brussels but I think it really adds to the authenticity and I, I do think it's it's so well done that was a nice thing to do I'm a very nice person didn't you know that I'm not arguing. <laughs> I was worried your regiment might move out the way things are going in Holland. Seems my lords and masters think they can finish the war off without me. <laughs> as long as you're safe and here in Brussels, that's all that really matters to me. Do you really mean that? Yes, I do. When I was in charge of producing the DVD release for Secret Army... Yes. I got a message through saying one of the actors in Secret Army was not happy about her fee for the third series and that we weren't going to be able to release series three because of it. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. (laughs) You know, I was so far into production by that point with the booklets and everything. Yes. 
and um, and they said, "Oh, it's um, it's the singer in the Condide." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "What?" And they're like, "It's not Angela Richards. I know, I know Angela. Mm. You know, she's she's mm. not going to block the release." And mm. um, turned out that this jumped-up woman, this singer in episode third, episode twelve, Bridgehead, Valerie Masters, was trying to stop, was trying to block the series because she wasn't happy about her fee for this tiny role. Mm. Um, in the series, so a fee from the BBC or from from the DVD company. Um, well, it'd be I don't know how exactly the the royalties work, but mm. yeah, however the royalties would work for it. yeah, it would be from the mm. DVD company. Yeah, I think. Um, and she got all diff- just... she got all difficult, and it wasn't right. until I could confirm to them that she wasn't a significant character and that they didn't need to negotiate mm. <laughs> that they just basically right. said sod off love you're getting this and she 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 rolled over and played dead but it's just an interesting thing that this happened and I I'm even more angry that she is singing in the Condide rather than Monique because she actually <laughs> tried to stop the series from being released Oh. So, so in the priest now household, you're all just chatting. Biatch! We were. We were just like, ah, we hate you. Because <laughs> she caused me a day of stress back in the, back in 2004. Uh, anyway, be careful. Be careful who who you on, on the way up, young lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So mm. I'm quite happy to name and shame her here. Anyway, <laughs> that is a serious charge. Will you be more explicit? Certainly. This officer, when ordered by me to withdraw in military fashion and retrench in a more advantageous position, refused to do so. He gave himself up to the enemy. And that after making certain arrangements with a resistance organization, which he had significantly, it would now appear, failed to apprehend. Assuming that what you say is true, what is it you expect the committee to do? Convene a court-martial. I think the thing about these last four episodes is to a certain extent, each of the main characters gets to play a lead role uh, in each episode, um, I'm, I may be I may be overegging that, but but I do think that the the, the scripts are all they they're all given a moment to shine or a whole episode in which to shine yeah. really. Because when we move on to the the execution, the final episode of uh, series three, uh, directed by R- Roger Cheveley and written by John Brayson. Uh, really, again, the the conflict between. Uh, Major Reinhardt and Kessler. In, in a large part, that's a, that's a two-hander. Yeah. You know, they are given a very large chunk to play out another of war's tragedies, which is, if you like, the the focus, the total, absolute focus of of these this craziness of war, that somebody having survived the war. That his own army would decide to shoot him. Uh, Kessler is out to absolutely destroy this man. Yeah. Uh, for whatever personal reasons, as as we've said, they are not necessarily what we may have thought they were on first viewing. But uh, whilst in his own, biz- is it bizarre fervor? He genuinely seems to. Have, I mean, they, they they hear about the death of Hitler. Yeah. In the course of the trial. Yeah. You know, uh, and they have basically they've decided to have this court martial, uh, and most people I genuinely think believe believe that that yeah it, it's a kind of nod and a wink, but it's, nothing's going to come of it. Yeah, and then basically Hitler 
kills himself. It's heard on the radio. And somehow, in death, he manages to claim another victim. Yes. Yes, it is because, that. Because, basically, Kessler uses this as a, a rallying cry to, to, for, for these people who are absolutely broken by the loss of their Fuhrer. Yeah. Their loss of their, you know, their leader, the person who basically is the reason all this last 10, whatever years of madness has happened. Yeah. And somehow they take this opportunity to get what little wreak what little revenge they can yeah. on this 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 bloke who actually hasn't really done anything particularly wrong. Yeah. If our beloved Führer is truly dead, as it would appear, then we have reason to mourn indeed. I have served him the greater part of my adult life, and I am proud of that honour. In the end, he was betrayed as all great men are. But are we then to wash our hands of it all and release yet another who betrayed him? I demand that this court-martial be reconvened and sentence passed. In this prison camp, yeah. the, the four Nazi soldiers are given rifles. German soldiers. There are no Nazis in this camp. There are no Nazis in this camp, remember? Yeah. Peter Ron said so. They are given they are given four bullets. Yeah. You know, and under the threat of my guys are up there with submachine guns, mate. Yeah. They are actually allowed to carry out this execution. And of course the last things my Reinhardt hears are the words of Kessler by order of the Führer. Yeah. I believe. That's it. I read this translation in a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so this astonishingly again another unfair tragedy of 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 possibly one of the more likable of yes the, absolutely of the uh, german characters in 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 the series plays out to a, a bitterly ironic and bizarre conclusion and it's it's incredible because you are with reinhardt more than ever because i think in this point the audience becomes reinhardt because he's saying you're crazy they're crazy. And you're like, you're with him. You're like, there, this is crazy. Why is this happening? And it's just, it really is, you get behind him. But it's, again, like so yeah. much of the Secret Army based on a real life incident that happened in, in Schellingwound um, in north, north of Amsterdam. So this actually happened and inspired the film Black Book. It's about the same events. By order of the field court marshal convened at Skarbeck, by order of August 12th Schalk, Meyer Hans Dietrich Reinhardt has been found guilty of treasonable conduct against the German armed forces and is sentenced to death by firing squad. Mayor Reinhardt, have you anything you wish to say? You're mad. All of you. Stark raving mad. And a Canadian uh, soldier whips his cross as well, doesn't he? Yeah. From his neck yeah. as he's lying on yeah. the ground dead. 
It's, 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 a, it's a complete tragedy, I feel, Reinhardt's story. Yeah. But the thing about this end bit, because even though when the court-martial happens, Peter Arne's mm. character, Obus von Schalk, doesn't actually intend for Reinhardt to be killed, but then Kessler no. insists upon it. So, oh, yes. so Schalk is kind of trapped by his own Germanness that he wants to follow the rules and we must do this properly. Well, again, that, that scene where he goes to request the bullets yeah. is astonishingly played because he will not catch the gun the eye of the guy he's asking the permission for and i do believe it's shane rimmer it is scott tracy it is is it it scott tracy Tracy. yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. although the the massive irony for me of the whole episode is that the guy who lets kessler go is is bloody cliff clavin from cheers yes (laughs) (laughs) bloody clavin yeah what are you thinking yeah i got I got the nice jewels. <laughs> John Ratzenberger, yeah. Um, uh, I just wanted to talk about, this is an episode of juxtapositions. It's mm. more more deliberately than any other episode. Weddings and death. Yeah. So you've got the end of the war, you've got the bells mm. peeling, and you've got Monique's mm. wedding happening just at this moment as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Isn't there a dating problem with the episode, or am I, am I, am I reading that wrong? No, no, it's it's it, it happens. in the sense that the bells are on the wrong day or something. I don't think so. Seventh of May. This, yeah, there was there was something about the actual bells weren't heard in in Belgium until the eighth of May. Oh. It's on the IMDb page. Oh, I don't gosh, know. I don't know anything but about it. Anyway, it's not in my book, so therefore it doesn't no. exist. <laughs> <laughs> it was just that someone said the actual VE day was the eighth. Oh, and whatever. And and and. And it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's in the goofs on the IMDb page, and I, ju- I just wondered if you, if you had more insight into that. Um, you, may, you may have been able to correct me. My IMDb insight page. is that they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's quite possible. I mean, if you look at my um, review of the episode Bridgehead, you'll see mm. I, I, I go into quite a fannish territory about how all the, all the timing is completely wrong for that episode. Mm. But... Um, mm. No, it wasn't. Well, I think they play with time in a lot of the episodes, actually, because I think Reinhardt, you know, the the bells are heard there. Yes. After he's been shot, but you've already heard them in an earlier scene. And I think you've got to remember this is drama. This is, you know, Mm. you've got to suspend your 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 belief here, and I think that's that's important. And I think. Well, it's also yeah, it's also editing. Editing, you know, sometimes the way the story plays is sometimes you switch scenes around. Yeah, it's it's kind of yeah. 
So I want to talk about um, Monique's story because hmm. I've never written it in the book and I do believe it that I think this episode and the way it's constructed and in fact the way the final series is constructed makes me feel that you kind of think oh god it has a lot of this has been Monique's story all along and this is about mm. her conclusion as much as anyone's mm. um, because she's given such an inner life in the third series and mm. and Natalie's inclusion the way that Natalie plays off Monique as well builds that yes. and um, I just love the fact that um, you get so much of Monique finally being happy because we've been mm. with her when she's been so <laughs> you know against yeah. it all the time and you get the highs you earn the highs because you've been in the lows yeah, yeah exactly and those peeling bells are so joyful and so happy and yeah oh no I, I, this is the actual this is the thing that that whole the war i mean the party they have yeah you know i mean i, I know that there's a bit of real world mixing here because they obviously were friends and, yeah you know there's that end of show party sort yeah. of happening on set and and uh, uh, but it's a joyous thing i mean i know I, I know you say in the book that one of the shots is quite badly framed in terms yes. of showing them all together yeah. but but you get the sense that they have survived they are together and they have remained you know the the bonds that they have between them are pretty much you would think unbreakable but of course they are already breaking or broken because yeah. you know the yeah because you know the thing that brought them together is no longer there the wall yeah. has 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 gone yeah. you know and of course you know you get these beautiful scenes that where there is a certain amount of forgiveness you know there is a certain amount of of looking to the future and and all that stuff is brought together you know you you get the hugging and you get the farewells and that is kind of it's kind of it for the series apart from that other small matter of a certain Standartenführer. what can i do for you ma'am i have a proposition for you sergeant no it's not myself i'm using for payment i want to buy something from you sergeant why me ma'am i i don't have any special privileges or access around I here i want you see. to buy a human being what i'm perfectly serious i wish to purchase the life of one of your german prisoners so yes yeah, so you have madeline's rescue of kessler which mm. on paper seems unlikely but in a mm. in a sense and he's surprised that madeline rescued that clavin yeah can't yeah bloody clavin <laughs> you know do anything for a, a quick buck <laughs> But um, I think you realise that Madeline and Kessler are probably a better match than you thought they were because she's so mm. steely here and she, mm. yeah, she's so direct. I want to buy a human being, you know, and really pushes it. And and there's a sort of an element of equals finally there as well. But mm. of course, this this is all to set up Kessler as well. And they they had a good idea mm. that they would do a sequel. And mm. but the the uh, you, you get that sort of thing there you know I want to buy a human being yeah. which you know is kind of powerful stuff really, yeah that basically you can you can value a life mm. in by some sparkly bauble yeah that's of value to somebody else in this know. sort of circumstance this, this is the point yeah in anything mm. goes at this sort of point mm. yeah and of course I do think actually there is there is rather a nice irony I, I i don't i don't know whether it's it's me over reading this but that the final person that lifeline manages to save and get away is the person the last person they would really want to be 
the person they yeah. saved, if you see what I mean. And I think it's a beautiful yeah, they, irony that, that Kessler is saved by, by Lifeline. They, you, they yeah. use the same methods that they've been using for all these years to get the airmen away for yeah. Kessler to escape. And I think in many ways that is... It, it's a beautiful coda for the series. Yeah. I, you know, you might... I mean, I think they all... Well, I mean, they say that uh, she knows, Monique knows, really, that when she mentions her brother, that, that she really yeah. means who she means but i think that 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 sense that all those skills all those those you know all those things that they've done over all those years in the end the last person they save is the one man who wanted to kill them all i didn't know who to turn to i know you've every right to despise me monique perhaps i did wrong there are few things worse than loneliness I'm too vulnerable to throw stones, Madeline. You don't have to make excuses to me. Now then, do you need some money? No, no, I can manage. I've some jewellery left. A necklace the Baron gave me, it's quite valuable. No, I need documents. Papers so that I can get away from Belgium and start again. They won't let me leave without investigation. Mm. Monique, please help me. But uh, I... Look, I know about Lifeline. You used to do things like get false papers for people. Could you do it again for me and my brother? I suppose he could get them for himself, but I'm afraid for his safety if they find out about Kessler. Please say you'll help me, Monique. I don't see why not. Oh, well, the war will soon be over anyway. Who cares? I'll get your papers for you. And your brother? Yeah, that that just says so much about Secret Army for me that it's willing mm. to play that sort of game. It's mm. it's that moral ambiguity, um, and and uh, just to let you know, that incident is the thing that I've had more letters and emails about than anything else. Is about Monique's right. decision to help Madeline. Mm. Uh, did she really mm. do that? I can't believe that of Monique. And people going on and on about mm. it and. One guy had mm. to actually block him because he kept sending emails about it like for, for quite mm. a long time because it really distressed mm. him so much. And so that's a testament to the fact that he really believed in... Investing yes. in characters, yes. But yes. Um, mm. I think you've got to remember the execution is, is six, six or seven months after the events of Bridgehead. And I think Monique's just ready to move on. And it's just it's just, in that sense, you know, she's not thinking so much about retribution. She's not wanting to wreak revenge on anyone she had it happen upon her you know um and i think there's an element whereby she's like this is madeline's business i'm not taking responsibility for this here if she's decided to do this madeline was a friend um yes and i, I just accept it uh yes for what it is which is one mm. of these complicated things and and secret army always presents Life things sometimes yeah, it's yeah exactly yeah. i do want to just dwell on if this is the last time i see you the fact that Angela wrote this amazing song that for me sums up the show and ends this mm. episode yeah, sums up the show and ends this episode in such a clever way because that line you know we said when we started our mm. story immediately just transports you and makes you think yes they've all been actors in a mm. drama and this is kind of like a curtain mm. call and it's so clever that that's how mm. they do it and this is how the curtain's going to fall on mm. the series and that it brings so much emotion mm. I mean, poor old Juliet. 
I mean, I remember her saying she didn't know who she was or what mm. she was in that moment. She just knew that she was just alive, mm. I guess. But um, I think that Angela had the ability to sing mm. that and keep, remain a com- retain a composure mm. till the end. And it feels like a one take wonder, doesn't she... it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can we can we go oh, again? How did they go? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just uh, and, and the fact that after she sings it. And she goes to hug mm. Julia, and you know that hug between between mm. them it is is a hug as much between mm. Julia and Angela as it is between Natalie mm. and Monique, and and that hug, and in the end, Monique has to say Angela has. It's, I think it's Angela saying, "Oh come mm. on!" She actually almost pushes mm. pushes Julia mm. off her in order to get away because there's too much or, emotion. Almost that, what almost slips out of character. Yes. Yeah, yes, because it's like she has to get over to stand by mm. Albert and to say goodbye. And before you go. Will you sing for us? Please. I love you. Yes, of course I will. I mean, even Albert sheds a tear. 
Yeah, I, I was going to say the last shot of the series is Albert shedding a manly yeah. tear. <laughs> yeah, and 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 we crashed to the yeah, main title. So, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa! So all in all, Secret Army, you're still as fond of it as you always were. I think so. It'll always have a massively special place in my heart. But um, mm-hmm. I think. Well, if you're going to spend four years on a thing, I think you have to yeah, like it a I bit. Think so. you, you know? And it's also one of those series where everyone who I met on it, and it's not always been the case mm. on every. In fact, mm. it's probably the only case of all the series that I did in this mm. forensic detail that this is the one where everyone mm. was completely lovely. Absolutely everyone. There were no mm. exceptions, mm-hmm. and and they were so warm and welcoming and. Mm. Yeah, they were. They are all lovely people, and that's rare, mm. I think. Mm. There's usually, a, yeah. And in terms of in terms of its place in television history, you think it's because we we I think it's one of those shows that we we constantly complain kind of gets a bit forgotten about, yeah. doesn't it? You know, in terms of these top hundred. Can I just read two think two um, reviews from two books? So we had um, Jim Sangster and Paul Condon, um, the, the late great Paul Condon, who in TV Heaven said. It's the single greatest popular drama series ever produced by the BBC and we'll fight anyone who dares disagree. (laughs) (laughs) And then Paul Cornell in the Guinness Book of Classic TV, the best ever example of an ongoing drama series. It has lost little of its tension and the strength of the performances and the quality of much of the writing is still shining through. Um, It is one of those... And who are we we to argue with that? But it is regarded... Mm by so many people it's the best BBC drama ever made mm. and yet as we've mm. said again for all these different series is it ever in the list of things? No now we know in mm. this case it's partly to do with the lower low though we know that kind of wipes it from the memory from the collective memory and that's such mm. a shame but it doesn't change the fact that Secret Army exists and is still brilliant and is still accessible mm. and anyone who's watched a lower low would be so transported, I think, by Secret Army quite quickly that you forget about it. And yeah, mm. of course, there's episodes like Weekend where it's more obviously parodied by Secret Army and by by Alelo, mm. rather. But I think mm. it it stands up still so well that it doesn't, you know, it's mm. it still stands strong. It is. Def- it's difficult, I think, when it, when a series does basically become a footnote to another oh, series. God, yeah. yeah. Somehow, and and that. I, yeah, and that becomes it's, it's it's I always say this about lots of things in life is people remember the headline but they forget the story yes. because it's so easy for a taxi driver to say oh well, I read that in the paper it was in you know 100 point type and the thing that was in 100 point type and the apology that's printed 3 weeks later yeah. they never remember and I think it's it's very interesting that because it it's reduced to this was the inspiration yeah. for when actually Bog yeah, exactly. Bog off. Really, you know, this is this is a, this is a, just a very good piece of television that somebody decided to piss on. Yeah. Well, it's the irony being it's the BBC who pissed on it from a great height, their own series. Mm. And and again, you kind of wonder what the thinking was apart from we want another dad's yeah. army. I suppose. Yeah. I, I really don't know. And I mean, Alola really was successful, so it worked in that sense. But I kind of mm. think, in a way, it's kind of in keeping with Secret Army in the sense that. This ha- that this happened. It's another. It's just another bitter irony. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Like, you know, it kind of is in keeping mm. with that secret army ethos of things not being fair. Mm. <laughs> it kind of fits in a weird way. Mm. Well, if nothing else, uh, as and when we do another A to Z of UK TV drama, 
We've got a lovely letter K waiting. We have, we have, and we will, we will return Um, to that. We will return to it. Um, Okay. Are we? Are we? Are we? uh, I just want to mention that book that we keep mentioning. (laughs) I did. I did oh, write the complete Secret Army back in 2008, and it's still available from Classic TV Press, which, by the way, means our house. And um, be- <laughs> I have a I have a rare unsigned. <laughs> you have one of the ones that's worth more. Um, <laughs> if you would like a copy that's worth a little less, because I've signed it, you can buy them direct from the Classic TV Press website for twenty pounds. Twenty of the Queen's oh. pounds, which is cheaper than Amazon, and you get it signed. And bear in mind, I'm just going to come out and say it, I haven't worked during lockdown because I'm a freelancer and I travel the world and I can't. So any extra income would be gratefully received. Please, thank you, please, thank you, please buy the book. Advert over. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, um, after you've listened to this episode, um, at 10 o'clock and 12 o'clock and 2 o'clock, we'll be releasing the interviews with Angela Richards, Juliet Hammond-Hill and Clifford Rose. So, um, more Secret Army goodness for you to enjoy. Okay. Thank you, Martin, for going back to Secret Army with me. Well, like I say, I hope you enjoyed it. I I always worry when somebody likes something a lot that you're going to say something that's going to make them go, no, (laughs) bother. Well, you haven't said that. So we've managed to to go through that particular one. Yes. (laughs) We've made a home run. We've made a home run. And that's the worst thing. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot, Martin. No problem. You take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Listening to an A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy and Martin. Next time, Tenko. <laughs> <laughs>